up, guys, and welcome to Real Conversation with your host, me, Timothy Van Duzer. Man, I am so excited about this first episode. Today, we're going to sit down with three moms. They come from the same church in the same community, but one is an African-American mom, one is a white mom that raised African-American children, and another is a mom that is white that has raised all white children. All three have different perspectives to talk about raising kids in America and what it was like for them. So today, let's jump into a real conversation. All right, thank you guys for joining me for this conversation. Uh, this is actually the first real conversation to happen on this podcast, so I am, I am just honored that y'all said yes to being here. In just a moment, I'll introduce you and let you just kind of talk about who you are, um, kids that you've raised. One thing that we just really want to do with this conversation is shed light on that you three ladies are in the same community, you're in this pretty much the same church, and you've had to raise your kids differently just because of race. We know right now race is, racism is a huge thing, but it's, it didn't just start happening. Like this has been going on for a long time, and there's been a lot of things that have not been addressed. And hopefully through these conversations, these are things that we can address. And so tonight, we're just going to talk. I just want to hear your story. I want to hear, um, I want to be able to compare, and I want to be able to empower people to ask the same questions with people in their circle. And so, um, so thank you all for joining me. Uh, Sheila, we'll start with you. Uh, just give us your name and a little bit about yourself. Oh, yeah. My name is Sheila Perry. I am the mother of two. Um, I am a nurse at Mumford High School in Tipton County. I have been a member of Lighthouse Church for the last, I will say, 15 years. And I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. Sarah, go ahead. Uh, I'm Sarah Mandel. I am the mother of three kids, um, one white and the other two <laughs> black. Right. Um, uh, I live in Tipton County, Munford. Um, one went to public school. My other two are going to private school. Um, I don't know what else that's all right what, do, so, what do you sorry. what do you do are you oh a... i'm so sorry um i am i i teach english at um southwest tennessee community college um but i am in the process of opening up my own coffee shop oh, here wow. in millington looking forward so to that hopefully going to be a business owner very very soon awesome i'm looking forward to a coffee shop me too. <laughs> <laughs> for sure and then miss stephanie if you introduce yourself okay um i'm stephanie van Dazer. And um, I've been a part of church, uh, this church here at Lighthouse for 30, um, almost one year in August. August yeah. And um, I have raised um, three boys. Um, the oldest will be 33 this year, and the youngest will turn 26. Wow. And um, I am a retired nurse <laughs> and a pastor's <laughs> wife. Two <laughs> 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 hard <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and what, what's so great about this is, um, all three of you come with different perspectives. You come from an African-American home, African-American children, and then you come from, well, I raised a white one, and then now I have two African-American children, and then you have three white boys. And so that's why we wanted to have this conversation with you guys, because we want viewpoints and just education on just, again, same community, same church, but different worlds, mm -hmm. different um, pretty much experiences and I want to hear those experiences we want to we want to share in those experiences and and not compare precisely but just kind of see them and just kind of lay them out on the table for people to see and hear and to just kind of begin to ask questions themselves and so I kind of want to start with a, just a basic of what was it like and again we'll, we'll stick with the the format Sheila of you raising your children um, in America today like what what was that like for you well 
to some, it could be hard, but for me, it was just the norm. Um, the things that you prepare and teach your children that some households, you know, Stephanie and Sarah, you guys may not even think about. Um, for instance, that when you go out, you make sure that you look your best. Um, the next thing that you do is when you go into a store, you're going to walk with your hands in your pocket because you don't want to be accused of stealing something. Um, my son was never allowed to wear, after the Trayvon Martin um, incident, he was never allowed to wear a black hoodie. And you're not going to wear a hoodie over your head um, out in public. Mm -hmm. The other next thing was we don't allow dreads yeah. because he has two things against him. I mean, he's an African-American male and he's a tall, big guy. So you fit the profile. Right. Um, the next thing is once he started driving, we had to lay out a plan. You keep your hands on a steering wheel when the cops calls you. You keep the, the um, registration and your license in place and you speed dial us. Yeah. When the lights are on, as you're pulling over, you call your parents because we're on our way. Yeah. Because it's the fear, you grow up. Your kids, your kids, we're, it's almost like we are instilling our fears in our children of the what ifs. Wow. And so that's what I will say, you know, when as a black mom raising an African-American son and daughter, from time to time, the same talks that I have with them are the same talks that my mom had with me. So it's like generation of fears. Yeah. So when the incident happened with George Floyd, it's like enough is enough. When do we stop preparing our kids for the what ifs? Yeah. And then the next question is, who gives those people the right to dictate the value on us? Right. right. When God has already set the value for us. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so now you're raising children to make sure that they learn how to compete and be okay with the responses of those that don't know your value. Yeah. Because they're going to be looked over. Right. right. But if you don't, if you don't go over those scenarios with your kids, Sheila, then you have not prepared them for the real world. Right. So what do you do? Do you instill that, that little bit of fear? Do you instruct them and, and have that fear follow? Or do you not instruct them and then have them unprepared for when something happens? I mean, it's not fair. It's not fair because you know what? I I don't I can't speak for Stephanie, but I never had to think that way until my own son who is black. Um it got older. Yeah. I never had to think about, "Oh my goodness." And, and so now when I have to teach him certain things, how to act and what to do in this situation, what to do in that situation, in the back of my mind like you said, I feel like I'm just I'm perpetuating the problem right. because I'm instilling fear in them. But then the other side of me says, but you have to teach him that this is the way that the world is right now. Right. And that this is going to, this is going to help him live his life. Right. Right. Yes. You know, and, and when you bring up the dreads, I remember when he was little, I, I, I'm sorry, I think dreads are beautiful. I do, yeah. I love them. And so when he was younger, and I remember we've only lived here 11 years. When we first moved here, I was substitute teaching in some of the area schools in Tipton County. And I remember a couple of basketball players were in one of my classes, and um, I had asked them where they got their hair um, done. Yeah. 
I know that's not how men say it, but <laughs> <laughs> like who, what barber right. they use. Right. And they kind of looked at me weird. And obviously I know that. And I had, I explained to him, I have a, I have a six year old, seven year old, um, son, black son. And I said, and I want to find a place that can do, can do dreads. And after the class, one of those boys stayed back and he said, um, Miss Mandel, you don't want your son to have dreads. And I'm like, well, why? I, I love them. I think they're, they're beautiful. And he said, yeah, they look really neat. But when people see him, they're going to think he's a thug. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. And I went, uh-huh. That's too bad. And like you, when the Trayvon Martin thing happened, um, Zion was very young. Um, I think he was, well, that happened in 2012. So he would have been six. I thought, oh my gosh, that, that could be my son. And that's when my eyes were really, really open to right. what I was going to have to teach my son and what it meant to have a black son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I cried for days and days. And right now I could burst into tears. I cried for days and days over not only Trayvon Martin, who was only 17, but for what people were saying right. about him and as if that that was okay to kill him right. because he smoked pot. You know, anyway, um, that's no reason right. to kill a boy. Or right. that doesn't mean that his life is not worth, you know, uh, is not worth it. Anyway, um, but also what was being said to me about my son, I mean, people were just completely clueless. And so I'm really grateful for having this conversation. And I'm very, very grateful that the conversation around um, George Floyd is happening because it's a conversation that is way, is so late in happening. Yeah, past due, for sure. It's absolutely past due. And and, and again, too, I think think one thing, too, that breaks my heart is just, like, it it took that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it took that happening. To generate conversation yeah. and that's kind of where my heart broke that I had been so blinded to it for so long you know again yeah. I had made a statement about even though it's not your reality doesn't mean it's not real again right. I see dreads and I think dreads look awesome under football helmet basketball players yeah. I mean just running around it looks so good but that that thought never crossed my mind that they get looked at differently just because of a hairstyle because of the color of their skin but mm-hmm. um, Stephanie, we'll, we'll go to you and just okay. ask you about, you know, your, your experience of raising your children. Were these thoughts that you had to have or different things like that? Um, they were absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, it was I had none of those concerns. I had the typical concerns of any mother. Um, I prayed very much for my children's protection. I prayed against the wrong type of influence um, coming into their lives to to divert what the plan that God had for their lives was. Um I um, had to pray about the right person as far as them dating. And um, I tried very hard to instill respect for all people, but especially those in authority over them. And um, so I had the typical what you already have as a mother and all of the things that I could say. I know that you guys have already experienced that because we're moms and it's a mom's heart Mm -hmm. and what we want for our children because the biggest prayer is that they accomplish the purpose for which God created them. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing. But I've not had to deal with those types of things. And I was talking with Sarah before we started here too and saying 
And now I'm on the other side where I'm the mother of a white cop. Yes. So now I see and I face things. It's until you are personally involved in something or you care deeply for someone who is, Mm -hmm. you don't fully understand the circumstances that are going on. So you have to get outside of the mindset of the small group that you're in and truly try to understand each other and what each one of us face. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. For sure. And and you kind of alluded to it, too, about being thankful that this conversation is happening. Talk a little bit about the importance of having conversations. Like, I think a lot of people sometimes are afraid to just ask the wrong question or afraid to slip up and say the wrong thing. Right. But, like, what's the importance of at least we're talking? You know what right. I mean? Like, at least you're mm-hmm. asking. We'll talk through where, where you've messed up. But, like, let's just talk and have that. So right. talk about a little bit about the importance of having this conversation. I think I think it's very important because first of all, everybody is ignorant to something. Yeah. And whatever area that you're ignorant in, try to find out some information about it so that you'll know the why. Right. I think once you learn the why of why why people are angry. Right. Or why they feel this way. Yeah. Um, then that'll help you to understand and be more cautious or sensitive right. to what your response is. Yeah. Because the way you view things, that's only from the small window that you look at it. Right. That's mm-hmm. good. That's good. And so, well, when you see the bigger picture, you may not look at it or respond the same. Right. For instance, like Stephanie, when you said you are the mother of a white cop, so here I am, a woman of color, and Mitchell is like one of my sons. Right. So now. I'm praying for Mitchell at night when he goes out, but I'm praying for my son too. Right. And so then for me, when I hear black people talk about all cops, then I have to stand in and justify for Mitchell. Right. 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 And so the thoughts have gone through my mind several times that, you know, what is going to, what would I do if Mitchell is put in a position while I'm at school? that people may not know the Mitchell that I know, but then they tried to come after him as if he's somebody else. Then that puts me in a position that I'm gonna have to defend him for who he is. And and taking the risk of being crucified by the people of color. Right, right, right. But the thing is, we have to be able to do that because they're only seeing a glimpse of who he is, not pretty much why he had to do it. Now that is not, um, the gate why um, Shevin, um, Chauvin did what he did to George Floyd because that was not right. 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 But with Mitchell coming in as a cop and then you may have an unruly teenager at a ball game and he's having to put him down just for his safety or to sustain him, especially if he's on drugs. Well, if someone comes along with a camera and they only see the fact that this white guy has put this black kid down, yeah. And then there's an uproar. But then we need to find out why. Right. So that's why when they're saying things like take the cops, defund the police department, you know, I'm against that mm-hmm. because I'm in the school system. Right. And I see what the kids do. So, no, you can't take the cops out of school right. because of a, a two-second clip. Right. You know, we need to be able to know what happened before. But in a, ca- in a case like George Floyd, that's something totally different. Right. right. Yeah. Because Absolutely. that was a willful act. So for me, you know, a woman of color having to defend Mitchell. Right. Because people are just going to see a white cop. But see, I don't just see a white cop. I see my Mitchell. Right. Because you've, you've experienced with Mitchell. Right. You've opened up and allowed that to, 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 to come in. Right. And for you to be able to, again, 
open the window and see a bigger picture versus right. the, the the film that you see through. Right. Um, and I think I think that's the biggest thing that I'm hearing recurring is like if people would just open up just a little bit and have that conversation and allow it to come in to just get a different viewpoint. Like we and and we we so many times will just congregate with people that we are like in churches it happens Mm -hmm. that's why there's so many different churches because this church feels the way i like it to feel so i'm gonna go here Mm -hmm. versus well like what about all churches coming together and having a community something just to worship the king of kings because it's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and they want to stay in that place of comfort and so it's a little bit uncomfortable to walk out and have that and Mm -hmm. paul even said it in scripture he talked about so that you won't be ignorant of these things Mm -hmm. let me explain them to you let me show Mm -hmm. you the why and so again Ignorant doesn't mean you're a stupid person. Right. Ignorant just right. means you just don't have the knowledge of this, right. you know, and I think that's the biggest thing, too. Nobody's stupid. It's just there's ignorance there, and let's let's figure out the why and talk about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, so, again, I, I feel like that's something that, that is great that will come out of, of conversation mm-hmm. and, and just talking about things. Um, you, you kind of alluded it to a little bit, and I, I want to kind of talk about it for just a moment because I've seen it going around like, George Floyd at that moment calling for his mom, like in yeah. that in that place, just going, I mean, a grown man, you know what I mean? And and calling out in that moment, what what did that feel like? And we can go across the board because I think that's something that all moms, yeah, like you yeah. had said, all moms I, felt, yeah. you know, like in that place yeah. and in that time. And so let's just let, let's talk a little bit about Sarah. We'll start with you. Just kind of what are some what are some fears that, that you experience on a daily basis of when Zion walks out the door and you don't see him beyond that moment? Um, my kids, they they think that I'm like super overprotective because I need to know uh, where they're going, yeah. with whom, um, how many people are going to be there, what time are they going to get there, who's driving, um, you know, when, they, when are they going to come back, if they're going to move from one, you know, point A to point B to point C, I need to know. I need to know everything. And I also need to know how many white kids are going to be with them. Really? <laughs> because. Yeah. And I shouldn't laugh. Um, I laugh out of nervousness. That's all right. Because I know that my son's safety rises with every white kid he's with. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I know that. I know that he's better off having white friends than he is with black friends. I would I would, I, I would, I want him to have African American friends. That's not the point. Please don't get me wrong. But the reality is, is that I know that if he goes out with his black friends and it's just him and a couple of other black boys. They're going to be followed. They're going to be watched. They're going to be suspected of things. Right. But I know that if he goes out with a couple of his white friends, no one's going to even pay him any mind. Right. That wow. is so interesting. They're going to. They, he he just gets whitewashed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um. And from a mom's perspective, <laughs> I'm kind. I mean, I hate it. I hate it. Right. But I'm also almost okay with that. But I hate it. Yeah. At the same time, I don't. I don't know what. I don't know how to marry the two. I don't know where a good balance is. A good balance is 
the world needs to change. Right. right. That's right. the balance. The world needs to change. My Absolutely. son should be able to walk anywhere at any time with anyone and be a 14-year-old boy. Right. 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 Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. You're wow. going to say something. I think that is so amazing. That's why I love we're having this conversation. Because in our household, it's the opposite. Because I just feel like that if he's with his black friends, it's okay. Because I know most black kids are going to think a certain way and they're going to go. And they've already been prepared on their safety. But when they're with white kids, white kids are clueless about the safety of what my son needs to be prepared for. For instance, if they go and do pranks, well, when the cops come up, they're going to automatically assume my son is guilty. Right. And then the other piece of that is my son, when he goes out to with his white friends, I need to know where you're going. Do their grandparents know that David is black? Because David's name could go both ways. So when you're going out with them, you know, is it okay? That's the question that we ask my 20-year-old son when he goes out. Do they know David is black? Mm -hmm. And is it okay for black people to go out there? Yeah. Right. And then right. the next piece is when we go out, my fear is because he likes white girls. Yeah. And so to anybody else, that's like, oh, no big deal. But to me, it's a lot because in the black community, we train our males that you have to be very careful with white girls because society and the law is always going to favor them. If they yeah. said yeah. you did it, you did it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you are guilty. Yeah. until you're proven innocent as wow. opposed to being innocent until proven guilty. No, in the black community with black males, you are guilty if she says it. Yeah. And so from time and time again, there's been story after story to where you had the white girl like the black guy, but when her dad found out about it, she said he raped her when it was actually consensual. Yeah. Right. So that means now you have 17, 18, 19-year-old boys facing criminal system because of the lie of a white girl. Right. So when my son goes out, um, it is always that fear. Yeah. If he's going out with his other friends, I'm okay. Yeah. But when he's going out with his white buddies, yeah. it's always that where I hold my breath because I'm thinking they may do something and not think anything of it. Right. But right. if someone calls the cop, then he's going to be the first one that's going to be charged or accused right. so it's that fear and yeah. even with my daughter you know a lot of her friends are white and we still drill the same thing with her you know they can do things yeah but then you're going to be the one that's accused mm -hmm. right. so you better mind yourself accordingly so when they go out the house those are the the things that we have to instill in them every single day right i never i used to I used to say, oh, well, you don't have any black friends you want to hang out, but when you put them in a diverse school right. and you put right. them in a diverse church, right. I mean, the thing is, you know, they're going to gravitate with wherever their heart or the compatibility, but the fear of the parent is like, wait a minute now, you know, we got to be able to, even when they would go to youth camp in the churches, right. go to youth camp here. Right. We would still have to drill in them. You know when they stop to go get something to eat, don't you be doing that stupid <laughs> stuff because right. you know they're going to point you out. Those are conversations that we right. have and our kids grew up with it. So yeah. I find that very interesting that, you know, to see that we as parents in, in, in the quest to protect our children, right. you know, mm -hmm. we have yeah. different things, strategies that we go by that right. we must, that we feel comfortable with. And mm -hmm. I'm sure, Stephanie, you, that doesn't even cross your mind, does it? Well, yeah. to be honest, it still did. Really? Because those girls will do the same thing. Yeah. 
to a white boy that they would to your black son. So it it does, not to that extent, I'm sure. But those concerns and those fears were still there for me with my boys. So I guess it just is the the mother of boys. Right. That's the common mm-hmm. ground. You're still protecting your boys. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and I think I think the other thing that I've really like my eyes have been open to is the consistency of the conversations that are had to have. Like for you, that might be a normal conversation when you go out and all these different things. Uh, again, what 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 I mean? What was the consistency of conversation for you? Like, was it always? You know, when you go out, keep your hands in your pocket, do this, do this, do this, do this. Or was it just like, hey, when they first, you know, started driving, this is the way you drive and blot it out. If the cop pulls you over, go ahead and turn the light on, grab your stuff out of the thing, sit there and wait on them to come around. Mm-hmm. You know, call me after the pullover's done. You know what I mean? Like, again, <laughs> different conversation that's right. being had, you know what I'm saying, um, versus the consistency of it, too. I think that's one thing that's really blowing my mind is how recurring that conversation has to be. Um, that that it's not in in a in a white home, honestly. Oh yeah, all the time. I mean, and I can't speak for Sheila, but I started talking to Zion and or Faith and Zion when they were very little about certain things. Yeah. And I mean, um, and especially when like they would go over to their friend's house when we first moved down here, they would go over to the friend's house. Yeah. Um, you know, I would tell them make sure that everything you play with that you put it back and someone sees you putting it back where mm-hmm. it goes right because if it if it gets lost they're going to blame you i right. mean i didn't tell them that part i just said you make sure that they see you put it back right <laughs> but we were but we were just on vacation and i sat there and i said make sure everything is placed right back where it was when we walked in here. I don't want them thinking we took anything. Exactly. So I, I did that with my family just this past week just because we were in a rental property and I wanted right. everything back. So mine was exactly where it was, is exactly where it's going back. So yeah. they'll know we didn't take anything. And I never had I never had to have those kind of conversations with Grace, you know. Right. It never crossed my mind. Right. But, you know, you have one of your your black children get accused of stealing something when it was just shoved underneath the bed in the wrong place. Hey, hey. Yeah. Um, So you just make sure that you, they see you put it where it was supposed to be or put it wherever you're putting it away. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then I think it's interesting that you tell your kids to put their hands in their pocket when they go into a store. I constantly, before we'd walk into a store, tell my kids, you keep your hands out of your pocket. I don't want anybody thinking that you are hiding something in there with your hands in your pockets. You keep your hands out where everyone can see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. And I never had to have those kind of conversations with Grace. Right. But, I mean, we just constantly have... Um, you know, those consistent reoccurring conversations, conversations yeah. about everything. So it's yeah. almost like you're raising, I mean, the way you parent one child is totally different than the way you're parenting your last two, which means that parenting your last two is much harder than it is. parenting yeah. your it first is. one. It is, because there's a lot of things I just didn't have to think about with, with Grace. You know, right. the whole getting stopped, getting pulled over, you know. 
you just reach over and grab your stuff. I didn't even tell her to turn the light on. Right. Just reach over and grab your stuff while the cop's walking up. Okay, no, you can't do that. Right. You turn the light on and you put your hands with your fingers spread so they can see you have absolutely right. nothing that in your hand. Right. I mean, that might be overboard, but I don't care. You right. know, those fingers need to be spread. And, and, and when you when he stop you and he's a driver, you tell him, I am about to exactly. open the glove compartment. <laughs> There's nothing in it. You better be so elementary uh -huh. with it that he get irritated the fact that you are giving him a conversation. Right. Exactly. Because and you ask permission. Yeah. You don't say, I'm going to. May I, may I now get my driver's license and my insurance out of my purse? Right. He says, yes. Say, you know, may I reach into my purse? May I? You always ask. Yeah. Always ask. And as a don't parent, you know, me. for me, it, it keeps you, my faith walk, my walk with God yeah. um, became much different as my children got older. Mm-hmm. Because you go to him in your anger, you go to him in your pain. Yeah. Because when you send your children out, you shouldn't have to keep having these conversations with your children. Right. And then when you're you're dictating almost your children and, and who they're dating, because you're watching. And those are the things that you know. It's like it gets old. It's almost like when you think that, and as African Americans, this is the way we think. We think that you send your kids to school, you educate them, you prepare them to get high-paying jobs, so that they can commit, so that they can compete with the average white American. But then you instill in your children that they better be better than the next person because they better be ten times better just to be able. Right. to come to the table to compete. Right. So once we get to the place that we are financially there, then when you run, run into the, with the police, then it's almost like they remind you that you're still not there. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so this is something that is a constant. Yeah. So the George Floyd incident was a slap in the African-American community face to to say you're still not there. So that's why you had the black celebrities coming forth and paying for the funerals and sending their jets so that the parent, the family can go from one memorial service to the next. Because we're constantly saying right. we are there. Right. And we are more than enough. Right. And Absolutely. we don't need your approval. But then there's that one group of people that constantly reminds you that you're still under our thumb. Yeah. yeah. So when you say it, it tears you in, in, in pieces as a Christian woman, because you can't hate. You can't hate. But, oh, you want to hate. Yeah. So for me, you know, God has put people in my life to remind me not to hate. So I would be lying if I said, you know, at some time, at some point, you don't want to just take your shoes off and put a whooping on somebody because you get tired of it. Right. But then God has put people in your lives to remind you. Yeah. So, you know, with the, the, when Israel was over, my grandbaby, you know, he was over <laughs> and he's crawling in my lap. <laughs> my Israel, uh, blonde hair, blue eyes Israel. And he's in my lap and he's saying, honey. And then you're watching all of the hate on TV. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And then he leaves me, and then he crawls in my husband's lap. You know, this six-two, three hundred-pound black man, and he, he, Israel could care less. He doesn't know right. color. Right. That's right. Right. And then how you change this is that no one ever teaches him that. Right. It's not that he'll never know color. Right. It's just that they, he's never taught right. the blemishes of it. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as we change one generation at a time, yes. I think that is the question. You can't change everybody's heart, but if we do one generation at a time, um, that's that love would transcend into the churches yeah. because mm-hmm. people get hurt. It's in the churches too, oh, it's in the name definitely. of Jesus. Yeah. They, they, they do it in the name I of Jesus. Mm-hmm. When the slaves were being sold, when they went through the point of no return, that is a door, they were having church service up top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when during slavery, the slave master did it because they took one scripture out of the Bible, slaves obey your master. So that's why you have a lot of blacks that went to Muslim because they didn't want to serve Christianity with a white God yeah. mm-hmm. because Christianity was associated with slavery. Wow. Wow. That, that, that is, I, I love that whole part of the conversation because <laughs> it, it, brings, it brings faith to the forefront because we know the thing that's going to fix it is Jesus. Jesus is the one that will fix it and it's again changing through the heart and our scripture for this all these conversation is don't copy the customs and behaviors of the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12 2 and that comes through Jesus. He's the one that will change our minds and our hearts and, and renew those things.